Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them across the UK. This story was told by Marie. At the Brixton Ritz When the theme was faking it. Um, so this is about 10, 10-ish years ago. Um, I was single and feeling quite fed up with life. So I decided I wanted to go and live in New York for a few months. And I told my therapist, and she was very enthusiastic about the idea. And she told me that she had a former patient in New York who I really should meet, a man. Um, And I was very excited to hear this because I thought if my therapist is willing to breach patient confidentiality to set me up with a guy in New York, he must be pretty amazing. So um, as soon as I got to New York, I called him up and he seemed also quite unworried to have had his confidentiality breached. And he suggested that we meet for a picnic in, um, in Washington Square Park. And I got there first and um, I sat down on a bench to wait. And every man that walked past, I wondered if it was going to be my future husband. <laughs> um, and eventually I saw a man approaching with a little canvas bag and he was tall and handsome and he had a kind of like craggy face. He was a very classic New York Jew, even though in fact he had been brought up in Barnet. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, this is the one. And it was. So he came to sit with me and he unpacked the picnic and it was all vegan food that he'd made himself. And he's sort of talking about quinoa and kimchi and I'm just staring into his eyes and seeing my future and thinking how gorgeous our children are going to be. And he tells me a bit about himself and what he says is that he works for a company that helps um, disabled people have access to sports and he's very passionate about it. It's not just a job, this is his whole life and even at the weekends, he spends his weekends helping blind people to run marathons. And then he says to me, "Uh, do you like sport? 
So when I was at primary school, I really wanted to be on the netball team. And um, I was asked to leave voluntary after school netball club because I was putting off all of the other children. <laughs> and that was it for me and sport. The only thing I run is a bath. But I thought this man is very good looking and I'm not a liar, but nor am I an idiot. So I racked my brains a bit. And what I came up with was I do yoga. And what that meant was, historically, I have done some yoga classes. And in fact, the last time I've been to a yoga class, I had been doing a leg stretch and the teacher came over to me and kind of looked at it very solemnly and then said, it's okay, I've seen this before. A little bit like I'd just been to A&E of an apple up my bum. <laughs> anyway... The man who helps blind people to run marathons said, fantastic, why don't we go to a yoga class together? And I said, great. And he, he gave me the link to the yoga school he likes to go to. And I spent some time at home, like reading the class descriptions. And they all said things like, a strenuous workout and prepare to sweat. But I picked out the one that seemed least likely to kill me. And I suggest, so I emailed him and said, let's go to this. He said, fantastic, meet you there. So I get there and I'm just wearing like tracksuit bottoms and a t-shirt. And I notice that everybody else is in like tiny little singlet tops and micro shorts. And it's really hot in the room. And one of the things I hadn't realized that this, this was going to be a hot yoga studio. I was not prepared for heat. Um, and then the man who helps blind people to run marathons comes in and he's wearing like teeny tiny little bright red running shorts and he takes the mat next to mine and I'm looking at his long marathon running legs and the teacher comes along and he starts the class and this is the bit where you'll all think that I'm exaggerating for effect but this is actually what happened and do feel free to play along if you'd like he gave the following instructions okay so everybody if you'd like to sit in cross-legged position Okay, and now take your foot and put it on your forearm. <laughs> you can now take your foot and put it on your shoulder. And now put it behind your head. <laughs> that was the first two minutes of the yoga class. So afterwards, he took me to his favorite vegan Japanese restaurant. And he was trying to talk to me and I was just shaking and sweaty and ill and trying not to throw up on the yakitori tofu. Um, and he said, oh, you know, you did really well. Like, that's the hardest yoga class in New York. <laughs> and as I was sitting there, knowing that I was never going to see this man again, I thought, are we not all blind marathon runners, <laughs> stumbling through the dark, trying not to trip over paving stones or run into walls. When you reach out your hand through the dark looking for someone to guide you, it really helps if you already know where you want to go and that the person you are holding on to is going in the same direction. Thank you. That was Marie. Next up, Chris. With another story about faking it. 
So this is a story about a company where everyone was faking it, but I was the one that brought it down. Uh, we need to go back to 1989. Uh, Jane Fonda, Workout, The Step. You won't remember it, but it was massive. 1990, still massive. 1991, <laughs> less massive. By 92 and 93, it was starting to fade because every fitness fad falls in time. And so people were looking for the next big thing. And one of the people looking for the next big thing was a coke-addled charlatan aristocrat called Mark <coughs> who was uh, about to be banished by his family and told to make his own way in the world. And he was induced into the, the next fitness fad. Not step, but slide. Lateral motion training. For all you skiers out there, you were missing out doing steps. Now you can do slides. And the way it worked was there'd be this piece of linoleum, like it was cut from a floor, and there would be these little plastic boots like you put on a dog's feet when it has an abscess, and you'd slide backwards and forwards. And this was going to be the new big thing. And he'd bought into it. He bought into the idea. He'd got the license, and he called his company Leisure Time International. It wasn't yet international, and I was the man who was going to make it so. I didn't know that at the time. I was living in what is, could almost be called a squat, except we were paying for it. Um, I say we were paying for it. We all lived on housing benefit and ease at that time. So we were looking for cash in hand work. And I got a call from my friend Danny. And Danny said to me, my brother John has some work. And I said, is it cash in hand? He said, of course it is, mate. And I said, how much is it? He said, it's going to be about 50 quid a day. And I said, how many days? And he said, as many as you can do. And I said, what is it? He said, I don't really know. Can you do it? <laughs> and I said, I can definitely do it, Dan. The thing is, you need to say to John, what's the work? And when John tells you, you tell him, yeah, yeah, Chris knows how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, is, Chris does that. That's Chris's thing. So Danny says, yeah, sure thing. So um, I get another call. And Danny says, yeah, John, John, John said that's good, you're starting on Monday. And I said, well, what is it? He said, I don't really understand. So I go up on Monday and I see John, and John's a slimy property dealer type. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, so uh, Dan, uh, Danny said, you were, you were, you're an import-export guy. <laughs> and I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely all about the import-export. And he said, yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's basic stuff, pro forma, invoices, uh, customs dockets, that kind of thing. And these words washed over me. I loved the sound of them, pro forma, <laughs> customs dockets. It was so exotic. And I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, ab uh, ab absolutely, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, dockets, yes. <laughs> and so I was part of Leisure Time International. And the worry at that point was I was immediately going to get found out. And that, it turned out, was the least of my worries because Mark was there. And Mark hadn't really given up his old ways. He was in a room of his own, spending all morning sniffing coke and in the afternoon shooting up steroids because he was a bodybuilder. That's how he got into the whole fitness thing. So he's pumping iron in the afternoons, blood oozing out from the uh, veins that he's popped. And he's calling me in because I speak a bit of Spanish and the illegal steroids that he's imported are all in Spanish. And he says to me, um, Chris, does this say uh, two or three times a day? I said, no, it says two or three times a week, Mark. He said, uh, are you sure it's not two or three times a day? I said, no, it's two or three times a week, Mark. 
And Shelley is the receptionist, but she's not really a receptionist. She's faking it as well. And she spends most of her time sitting on Mark's lap while he's eating a nose bag of pasta and tuna, carbohydrates all day long. So I'm thinking I can sort of get through this, right? I've already done at least seven or eight 50 quid days. And I've got this pile of paperwork on my desk. And nobody seems to be bothered. There's an accountant, but the accountant likes, wants to be a programmer. So he's convinced them that he's going to write his own software, accountancy software. Why not? Except it doesn't really work. And so he's sending me pro forma invoices and they don't make much sense. I didn't know that. <laughs> anyway, the other guy comes over to me. I don't really know what he does, except he seems to be the one who sort of knows what he's doing. And he says to me, look, we really, I don't want to say this, but things aren't going so well. And we really need that international order. And Yutta, and I'd heard the name Yutta in hushed tones, Yutta really needs the, needs the first shipment and we really need to get it to him. And Yutta's been getting everyone excited and we have to get this right. Now Yutta's in Switzerland and Yutta is also in the fitness industry, but he really is in the fitness industry. He really knows what he's doing. And he's convinced a network of Swiss fitness gurus of the value of the slidey boots, of the lateral motion training. And they're hungry. And they've convinced their fitness clubs. And everyone wants the slidey boots. And all they're doing is waiting for a delivery. And the only person who can get that delivery shipped is me. So I think time it is. And I fill in the pro forma and I fill in the other one and there's a blue one and a, and, a, and a red one. And then the guy comes in the van and we load this van and it's one of those big vans, you know, the Eddie Stobart style. And there's loads of loading and that's fine. I feel like I've done a good day's work when I've spent all day loading the van. And off he goes with my paperwork. And I think things are fine. But they're not so fine. And Yuta calls and Mark's not taking the call because Mark's busy in his nose bag of food and taking the steroids. John's giving up at this point. He's realizing his money investment was a dead loss. And I'm ignoring Yutta's calls because I'm worried about what Yutta has to say. But Yutta keeps calling. And it turns out that they haven't arrived. And the next thing I know, and this is a lunchtime, the van comes back and it arrives and a red-faced lorry driver gets out and he tells me that he's driven to Switzerland and he was told his paperwork was shit and he needs to go back to the UK. And here he is with the same lorry load full of slidey boots that I packed a week before. And I say, could you just wait there? And I go inside and I come out and with a big kind of matey smile on my face, I say, I just stole 100 quid from the boss. Here you go, keep it quiet, will you? And I say it in a way that's like, I haven't really stolen 100 quid from the boss, but actually I have. And then he looks at me and he says, well, what am I going to do with these? And I know that there's a storage, like a kind of warehouse above where we work. And I say, well, what we're doing, you see, because the ones that come back, we put them up there. And so he looks at me and I say, I, I pull out some more money and he helps me load it up. So we spend the next two hours at speed loading the thing up. Nobody's noticing. And we finally stash the entire load in the space above 
this, this, this business. And <laughs> at this point, the thing is falling apart. And I am about to confess, but the accountant is, is, is realizing that his system doesn't work. Mark is losing it. The coke and the, and the pills and the injections are doing him in. John doesn't want to know. And none of them know that above the office is a whole stock's worth of their slidey boots. And you know what? Suddenly the people in Switzerland aren't so interested in slidey boots anymore. Suddenly the gym people are moving on to the next new thing. And the business slowly collapses. Uh, I make it another couple of weeks and then uh, I step out of the door and they never found out. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Spark True Stories. If you fancy coming and telling a story at Spark or simply having a watch, you can find us monthly at the Brixton Ritzy in London or our brand new night at the Waverley Bar in Edinburgh. Info on all upcoming events can be found at stories.co.uk. On Twitter, we are at SparkTrueStory, and on Facebook, we are SparkTrueStories. And while you're at it, why not be a hero and like and subscribe to this podcast? Thank you. It really does help. <laughs> <laughs>